Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fool. The Pro, Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume 1. One. Bill Dundee, Super Mex Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, Wrestling Hi, this is Mike Rogers, the author of Excitement in the Air. And you're listening to the Russellville Podcast. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinnie Berry, and my guest is Mike Rogers. Mike was on our show a couple, what was it, a couple months ago? And we were talking to you about your book, Excitement in the, in the Air. The Voices of the Northwest Wrestling, Volume 1. What an outstanding book. I'm still going through it, but I'm enjoying the stories immensely. I'm going to ask you about uh, the premise of that book, but I brought you back on here because Volume 2 came out. And so we're definitely going to talk about Volume 2 today. But what is the premise of Excitement in the Air, the Northwest, The Voices of the Northwest Wrestling? Well, I had a, a bulletin called Ring Around the Northwest, and I started in 1983, and I put it out for about 30 years, and I started having interviews in the in the bulletin, and I had probably over 100 interviews of, of national stars or guys that eventually went national, and, and a lot of local guys as well, but um, the premise is they had to have worked in the Northwest, and I had quite a few people or a few people mention that uh, those interviews would make a compelling book. And um, so we started rounding them up and, and uh, found that we had uh, more than one book, possibly even more than two books, and <clears throat> we'll see how that goes. And, and uh, so, yeah, the first one came out, and it's so much fun, so much fun to, to work on it and uh, – uh, we had some really big names in, in Volume 1, like Lou Fez and Don Leo Jonathan and Bull Ramos and Dutch Savage, guys who are real, really integral to the Northwest. Um, and we've come out now with, with number two. Tried to balance it out so we didn't put all the fantastic ones in, in Volume 1. I think people will find Volume 2, you know, just as enjoyable. Absolutely. I'm enjoying reading the uh, the book. I'm learning about uh, some of the guys that I'm familiar with. Of course, I'm also learning about guys that I I know nothing nothing about. I I did I did not know uh, a whole lot about Dutch Savage. I I did not know a whole lot about Bull uh, Ramos. And uh, you know, here I am learning about them, their personalities their styles, you know, what they thought of the business and, you know, how well they did and, and the parts that they, they played in the Pacific Northwest. And then, of course, I'm reading about Brian Danielson and Killer Tim Brooks and, you know, guys that, that I am familiar with. So there's definitely a good balance. What I like about this book, and this is kind of like what I like to do when I write, is not only do I want to tell stories of people that 
uh, fans know about, but I also want to introduce wrestlers uh, to fans that they may not be familiar with, and you do that here. Yeah, I'm, I've always said, sometimes I've had interviews with big, big name stars, and just because they're, uh, you know, have such a big name doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're going to be a great interview in the, in the written form. Um, and then sometimes you'll take a lesser known wrestler and their, their interviews are just fantastic. Just so much, so much more to say and maybe they rarely get a chance to say it. Um, in volume two, I, I have some examples of guys like that. There, there's a wrestler by the name of Pat Brady. And Pat Brady, I think, only wrestled in Calgary, uh, Portland area, and a little bit in the Maritimes. And he was lower card on, on, uh, probably everywhere he went. But yet I find him one of the most intelligent people that I've ever, ever met, ever talked to. And, uh, he has a very good understanding of, of his place on the totem pole in wrestling. And, uh, so that helps make it just such an interesting read. Uh, I think people will really enjoy, enjoy the Pat Brady interview. Yeah. And when people read your stories, they walk away feeling like, Hey, now I know a little bit about this person. I know a little bit about this professional wrestler and right. An, and another important thing is that you're documenting some of these people have passed away that, you know, and so you're documenting their words. Exactly. Exactly. I, um, I was working on just a, another project and it was just a, um, it's, it actually, I touch on it in the foreword of, of book two. There was a very unique match in, in Oregon that I, I saw and it was between Rip Oliver and Matt Bourne and the premise was it was a cage match and then there was another cage set outside the ring and they put Doberman pinchers in between the two cages with the idea that the wrestlers in the ring couldn't get out and anybody outside of the ring couldn't get in because they would be ravaged by these Doberman pinchers and the the Reality is, is that the dogs got really scared of the crowd and they got scared of the bumps and the loud noises of the ring and they started cowering in the corner and people started focusing on the, on the dogs and, and the match was just really becoming, you know, a, a horrible mess. And Buddy Rose, who was not in the match, but he ended up jumping in between that area and try to rile up the dogs and try to save the match and, and, I just thought, okay, that's just such a unique match. And I, I started looking at other people on the card, who was on the card and who might have memories of that match. And it, the match took place in 1981. And to me, it just seems like not that long ago. And as I'm looking, there's only two wrestlers who are alive that were on that card. And one of them I reached out and he didn't have any memories of it. And I couldn't find the other one. And it's just like, just like you said, people's stories, you know, as, as time moves on, people's stories are just, if they're not recorded, if they're not, if they're not uh, remembered, all those stories are just going to be lost. Right, right. And I think what's so unique and special about 
your books is that you capture that in such a way you, you know, 15 years from now, someone can pick up your book and, and this stuff is still there, you know, and that's the beauty that you, you did save these stories, you know, that, that is, uh, something that I just really, uh, applaud you for because, you know, when I started going through this, I thought, wow, how amazing is this for a wrestling fan? You know, for someone who really, really, really loves wrestling, you know, not, not just someone who loves a certain wrestler or a certain promotion or some a particular show on television. This book is for people who love wrestling and you've done the work that uh, a lot of people aren't willing to do. Well, and two, you, you're, you've got a certain amount of wrestlers that will write their own story. You know, they'll, they'll write their own book and, and those are so valuable. But then there's other people who just, you know, they don't think of it. They don't think they have enough of a story to tell. And, uh, a lot of these, these guys do have such interesting, interesting stories. And, and, uh, let me, let me tell you the story. I, I interviewed John Tolos. And I met John Tolos, I'm going to say in the mid nineties, maybe even a little earlier than that at a cauliflower alley. And John Tolos and Gene Kaninsky were walking around outside and I just was happened to follow along, just kind of listening to them. There was a couple other people and they were following along and uh, John Tolos was just ribbing Kaninsky, just teasing him and we're all kind of giggling and, and uh Kaninsky's just no selling the the ribbing at all. So anyway, we're walking around outside and all of a sudden there's an earthquake. Fairly, I hadn't really been in any earthquakes before. I thought it was a pretty good earthquake. And uh so we're standing by we're all standing by each other and uh and everything settled down. So then, you know, a few years later, when I reach out to John Tolos to ask him for an interview, I had that touchstone i said do you remember when we were in the earthquake i was the fellow that was standing right alongside of you and people have said that they were surprised that john tolos would do an interview you know he was maybe perhaps a person who who protected the business and and we walked that line it's always a a balance to see how comfortable they're going to be just to talk about openly or you know if they're going to protect it a little bit and you just kind of find out exactly how the interview is going to go. But he did such a good job. And then at the end of the interview, probably my favorite question and response that, that I've ever had, I said, John, one, one more question. How, how do you spell wrestling? And it, I don't know if you're familiar, but that was his catchphrase. You spell wrestling T-O-L-O-S. And when I said it, he just, he kind of laughs. He goes, oh, he goes, you say it, my boy. I go, no, you have to say it. And he just screams into the phone, T-O-L-O-S. <laughs> That's that good. Probably one of my favorite, favorite moments of interviewing people. Yeah, and, you know, those are memories that you will have, you know, that you will think back and fondly remember, but also, too, what I what I like so much is that you know you've done this you you've done this work for 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 
everyone else out here as well. You know, I think I think the book just does a wonderful, wonderful job of of um, uh, helping these gentlemen's uh, uh, career and legacy live on. Who who are some of the names in the second book that we can read about? Some of the bigger names that I have, I have Ivan Koloff, uh, Rick Martell, Mad Dog Vachon, uh, Ed Francis, who was a, a promoter in Hawaii and he wrestled a lot in the Northwest. Um, more on the current, current times, we have Christopher Daniels, um, also Davey Richards, who are, are still active. Um, there's a, um, I mentioned Pat Brady. There's a couple other guys that were not as well known, but their stories are, are great. Um, Steve Rosano, he wrestled on the West Coast primarily, got involved in a lot of the hardcore matches down in Los Angeles. And I, inter- I actually interviewed Steve twice. The first time was just a general interview. The second interview, and we even closed both of them in, in this book, Second interview, he had horrible, horrible health issues related to wrestling and and the hardcore matches. <clears throat> and the thing that that struck me the most at the end of the end of the interview or towards the end, I said, Steve, would you know, would you change anything? Would you do anything differently? And I'm I'm hoping he says yes. And he says no. I wouldn't do anything differently. Maybe a little bit on, I, I can't remember, he, I would have had more offense, you know, some technical aspect of his of his wrestling, but um, not any of the, you know, he didn't touch on any of the outcomes. And I found that fascinating and a little sad. Um, I went back to add a little current information because that interview was done at least 10 years ago. So I reached out to Steve and, and did a like an update, and he's doing much better now, getting around better, um, still has some uh, headaches and, and a little probably little PST, PSTD on uh, on his head, but he's overall he's feeling a lot better and, and more active. Um, but yeah, that that probably is one of the more powerful interviews. And again, it's not a, a wrestler that a lot of people know or are familiar with, but it's a story that's really important. You mentioned Rick Martell and Ivan Koloff. When did you reach out to those gentlemen? And what, why don't we just start with Rick Martell a little bit? Uh, was this before or after his title reign in in the AWA? It was after. Um, pretty much as he had reached the end of his career, um, we touched a lot on uh, – how he got started, um, his time in in the Northwest. Um, I don't think we touched too much past that. Um, I always felt like people are familiar with, with, you know, if you reach the WWF or WWE, you're familiar with that. So I wanted to try to touch on different aspects of before what people were really, really aware of. And, Rick's comment at the end was he thanked me and he re- said he really enjoyed the time, uh, stirred up a lot of memories, and uh, he was, you know, sounded like he had a, enjoyed his time reminiscing. You know, for me, when I look back at his career, 
and I followed him when I was was a teenager, and I I remember him well as the AWA right heavyweight champion. I thought that that was his his like shining moment to me. Right, absolutely. Um, when I when I look over his career, I don't think that he did. I mean, even the stuff after that was, I just, to me, it did not compare to his reign there. Right. He, um, I thought he was, you know, his looks, you know, to be the total package, you have to have several things, charisma and appearance, his looks, and his wrestling ability, and, and his likability. I know he wrestled a, a lot as a heel, but here in the Northwest, he, he wrestled totally as a baby face. And, uh, he, he was young in his career here, but you could tell that he was going nowhere but up. Um, and, and, uh, you know, he had a really great career. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be something anything would love to read and get to know a little bit more about him. If you only know the name, you know, as the model or, you know, right? right. That's what he wrestled as in WWE, right? As right. the model. So yes. if, if, if you're familiar with that, I, I, I think that would be an interview that would be very interesting to read. Going, let's switch over to Ivan Koloff. When, when was that interview conducted and what was he like? Because um, for what I know, he wrestled as a, a heel a good bit of his career. Um, the heel character is what I'm familiar with. What was he like? He, I met Ivan, um, I think we probably touched before, Dean Silverstone, who was a promoter in, in the Seattle area, um, would have reunions every summer back through the mid, mid nineties up to, up to about 2000. And I met Ivan at one of his reunions, and I was surprised. Ivan comes across when you see him on TV as bigger than bigger than life, and he had lost weight and wasn't really that tall. And I was I was surprised at his his size, at his lack of size. Um, and we we visited, and I found him to be a very polite, quiet, soft-spoken man. Um, and later on we, we went ahead and did an interview over the phone and he started out in the Vancouver, um, Canada area and he had a different, different, uh, character. His name was Red McNulty and he was an Irish rogue and he had, had a, an eye patch. And so a real, real different style of character when, you know, everybody has known him as Ivan Koloff, the Russian bear for, years and years and years. Um, and he talked about getting started in Vancouver and working a little bit in the Portland area. Um, and then we touched on other aspects of his career. But again, I, I try to focus on that area when they were in the Northwest. I just, that's the part of their career that I'm, I'm so interested in. Sure, sure, because you have emotional ties to it for for sure, right? I would assume. Right, right, absolutely. I have, I have to talk about a, a wrestler, Buddy Wayne. He was a local wrestler. 
Um, he passed away about three, four years ago. But Buddy Wayne probably had the clearest vision of wrestling that anybody I've ever, ever met in wrestling. And Buddy Wayne was like 5'6", 200 pounds. Um, I interviewed him twice, and I, I, I knew Buddy. You know, I, I refereed for a little while, and, and I refed a lot of Buddy's matches and got to know him, you know, th- through that way as well. And when I say that he had the clearest vision he just understood wrestling for what it was and what his role in wrestling was going to be. Um, he loved to rib. He, when I would ref, ref his matches, he'd, he'd look at me, he'd be circling at the start of the match and he would mouth something to me and I wouldn't catch it because he's just moving his mouth and I, I'd circle around behind him and then it, he wouldn't say anything to me and it, it hit me. He's just ribbing me. He's not trying to tell me anything. And he just wants me to come over to him. And, and I know that he got would get a chuckle out of that. Um, Buddy got to work some enhancement for WCW and WWF. Um, he had spent some time in Atlanta and was one of the enhancement guys on, on the old TBS shows. And he had improved enough where they had scheduled him for a match with, I can't remember who it was, Terry Taylor, um, Bobby Eaton, maybe some, some top, a, a tag team where the other three were, were the, a top talent. And so he was scheduled for that. And then the story comes along where Ric Flair needs his car picked up and Buddy Wayne is the one who they asked to go pick it up and it's a test for him he's going to miss his match kind of his possible big break but and it's just total politics of wrestling so he knew that even though he was so disappointed he had to go pick up the car because that would that would mean more than actually wrestling that match and when he got back I think it was Terry Taylor told him that that was a test and he passed and you know a frustrating, frustrating uh, scenario for him. Now, Buddy passed away a few years ago. He had a lot of health problems. He had some heart problems. Uh, he had uh, neck fusion as well. But the story is going to live on because his son – now, Buddy had a his ring set up in his garage, and he trained wrestlers. So his son is Nick Wayne. And he's been in that ring in the garage already for years and years. And Nick Wayne is 16 now. He travels the country every weekend and is is receiving higher and higher level matches. And he was just signed by AEW um, with the with the caveat that he has to finish high school. And when he's finished high school, then you know, he'll, he'll become part of the AEW family. And so there, the book closes with my interviews with Buddy Wayne and then a, a short interview with Nick Wayne just to, you know, hear his thoughts on his dad, thoughts on his career and where it's going and, and, um, you know, with a, a little checking in on him to make sure that his, his feet are still on the ground and stuff because his career is moving very, very fast. Right, right. That that's really neat that you included that, and I think 
readers will find that very interesting. What what do you hope that you know those who pick up this book uh, take from from your work here? I'm hoping that there's enough of a, a cross reference. You know, there's some older name. There's a wrestler by the name of Fred Mitchell, and um, one of my um, good friends, Matt Farmer, who's a historian as well. He actually did the interview, and I had never heard of Fred Mitchell. Fred Mitchell was like from the 30s, and Matt did this interview in, in the late 90s. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of history in there. There's a, a few other um, – uh, Fritz von Goring, he's from the 50s and 60s. Um, uh, Billy Whitewolf, who also worked as uh, Sheikh Adnan. He's, we have an interview with him. You know, there's just a big cross reference of, of time periods and generations. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that there's somebody, you know, a, a hardcore wrestling fan is going to, um, like a lot of the stories, but I think even the casual fan is going to find, um, names that they recognize, you know, maybe some names that they don't recognize, but, but, you know, they can learn about. Right, right. And where can people get the book? It's on Amazon. Uh, it, we have both of the books, and the um, way to distinguish them is Volume One and Volume Two. Um, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of glance at it and see that it's it's still there on Amazon, and and uh, I'm having having a lot of fun with it. Absolutely. And uh, like I said. The stories that I read in the first one were just so enjoyable and knowledgeable. You know what I mean? It's like I, I felt like I learned so much. I I know that, you know, this book is going to do the same thing. And, and you know, we talk about, you know, people who who are hardcore wrestling fans and people, like you said, the casual fan. But this, this book is – is going to reach everybody and this book is going to touch everybody and what i what i liked about the first one was was i thought wow you know people aren't going to know what's in this book until they pick it up and read it exactly exactly um a couple other names bad news allen um i refereed a couple of his matches and you can imagine the persona that Bad News Allen projects is very nervous to uh, ref his match. And then he's, he, at least to me, was the nicest gentleman in the dressing room that you can imagine. And he has he has a great interview in here. He, he touches on, uh, um, you know, his feelings and very honest, very honest interview. Um, the The spoiler, Don Jardine, who's a wrestler from – uh, the 70s, um, he has a very salty interview. Um, you know, it's 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 always interesting when they're honest enough to to really tell their feelings and not sugarcoat it at all. And uh, that's what I could say was Don Jardine had a salty, salty interview. <laughs> wow, as salty as Bill Dundee's and mine. It's it's close. It's close. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, it's always a pleasure having you on. It's always a pleasure talking to you. You're always welcome to come back 
you have another project or, you know, just come back and, and talk to us again, you're more than welcome to do that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it very much. And where can, if fans want to reach out to you, is there any way that we, they can do that? Um, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, Mike Rogers. Um, Rogers is R-O-D-G-E-R-S. Um, my, uh, partner has a, a, a Twitter and it's hashtag excitement air. My, my, uh, editor, Frank Colbertson, I don't really have anything to do with that, but he, he is always, putting up different things on there related to Portland wrestling and the book. All right. Good deal. Well, we thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed talking to you again and I, I can't wait for this second book to read awesome. the second book. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're listening to the Russellville podcast where wrestling goes. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon. Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fulton. The Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Vault, Vault Volume, Volume 1. 1. Bill Dundee, Super Mix Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, Wrestling Tune in to the Wrestler Weekly Podcast with Mike Leotis. The Wrestler Weekly Podcast. Mike digs into interesting wrestling topics and conversations. The 2022 season starts in January with guests like Austin Idol, Nick Aldis, John Arezzi, and George Napolitano. Find Wrestler Weekly on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. The Wrestler Weekly Podcast.